Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome to the Auburn Live podcast, your home for bold, insightful, and honest conversations around Auburn athletics. Where you go? Hey, before we get going, let's give a quick shout out to our partners here at Auburn Live and the Auburn Live show. First of all, Southeastern, great bar in downtown Auburn, fantastic two story building. Beautiful place, uh, great lounge upstairs, tons of TVs, outdoor seating area, some finger foods and stuff like that as well. Awesome location in downtown Auburn. Go visit Southeastern. Great game day experience, uh, weekend experience. Um, just go check them out, Southeastern, on Magnolia. Other partner, the Irritable Bow Restaurant, also on Magnolia, on the other side uh, of the street in downtown downtown Auburn, down, down Magnolia. Go check them out. Really good Chinese bao uh, food, uh, sh- shrimp, shrimp rolls and, and steak, steak and, and, and chicken uh, skewers and um, rice bowls and just a bunch of bunch of good stuff. man. if you've never had Chinese bao, it's really, really good. Shout out to our friend Whitley Dykes. Um, they get you in and out really quickly. So if you ever see a line, don't worry. It moves quickly. Go check out the Irritable Bao restaurant downtown Auburn and uh, tell them Auburn Live sent you. All right, let's go. Well, this is going to be the most interesting Monday morning quarterback edition we've had so far. I feel like I can safely say that. Welcome in, everybody, to the Auburn Live Show. I am Justin Hokinson, um, and with me, as always, on our Monday morning edition is former Auburn quarterback Ben Leard. Ben, what's up, dude? How are you? Man, it's been a uh, it's been an eventful twenty four hours. Hope 
It has been wild. It has been wild. So normally we do a Monday morning quarterback edition, and, and, and we do it on Monday mornings. Uh, this is going to be a little different. Um, we're recording this on Sunday evening. We're going to go ahead and post it on Sunday night because we have some news to talk about, some breaking news that we wanted to talk about, and, and, so, we, and so we might as well kind of go ahead and post it. And so you'll have a, a little bit of breaking news and breaking down um, that, and then we'll, we'll talk about Auburn and Georgia State. But let's start with – what we actually broke, I broke at AuburnLive.com Sunday afternoon, and that is Auburn's firing of receivers coach Cornelius Williams. Cornelius came to Auburn after six years at Troy, played his high school ball at Hoover High School in Birmingham, um, did a good job at Troy, was pretty well thought of as, as an up-and-coming coach. And yet four games into the season, um, into the Brian Harson era, Cornelius Williams is let go by Brian Harson. And Harson is promoting Eric Keesaw, who is currently or was currently the kind of the chief offensive analyst for Auburn. And he, you know, he was essentially a, an assistant receivers coach. I mean, he, he was involved and he helped. So I, as far as that goes, I don't think Auburn's really missing anything. They've got a guy, Keesaw comes from Boise State. He was the offensive coordinator at Boise State last year. He's been on Harson's staff for years. Uh, he's got experience as an offensive coordinator in past places, Colorado and Fresno State, places like that. Keesaw was also an analyst at Alabama in 2015 under Lane Kiffin when that team won the national title. So he's got at least a year of experience in terms of being in the SEC and being on a dynamic offense uh, just as an analyst. So uh, Keesaw is very experienced and, and knows what Harson wants to do on, on offense. So I don't think they're going to be missing a lot in terms of, uh, you know, filling in the gaps or anything like that. So just get that out of the way. But Ben, I mean, four games into the season, I, I don't, I've never, I mean, the only thing that comes to mind is Tony Franklin. It's the only thing in my kind of, in my sort of time is following Auburn, both covering it and just being around the program that comes to mind is something this shocking, Middle of the season, um, you know, Tony Franklin was let go that 08 season in the middle of the season. Um, this is four games in um, that he's let go. Auburn's receivers have had their struggles. We've watched it. They have, they have nine drops in four games. It's, I mean, it's better than two a game. It's not good. Um, what's kind of your initial initial reaction? We don't know – I'll get into that. I want to get I want to get Ben's initial reaction. Then we'll kind of maybe talk about what I'm hearing. But what's sort of just your broad reaction to an assistant coach being let go four games into the season, and Brian Harson pulling that trigger right now? What does it tell you? Well, there's in, in my opinion, there's a there's a couple of things. One, it tells me that Brian Harson is not scared to make a tough decision, right? Obviously, he he made one yesterday. He made one today, and and he has an he has a a thought process or a, a focus in mind. And he's not going to let anyone get in the way of that. So you, you, have got to respect that portion of it. It's kind of that in, you know, begin with the end in mind, but it, it's not a good look. It's not a, it's not a good look from a, um, as far as a cohesiveness perspective, you don't know what the fallout might be from a recruiting perspective because Corn had really, you know, been pivotal in landing some pretty, pretty high-profile recruits in this particular yep. recruiting class. Um, so, how will that impact these kids? And 
you know, you said it. I, I, I do not foresee any drop from the standpoint of um, productivity or coaching experience with Kiesel stepping in. So because he's got a great pedigree and he's got a relationship with Harson from the, the standpoint of, you know, being an OC. The one thing I do have a little bit of worry about is how many cooks are you going to have in the kitchen? I mean, you, you've got former head coaches. You've got OCs, former OCs that are on that staff offensively. Who's, you know, Harson, I'm sure he under, he lets everybody be known. He's calling the shots ultimately. But, you know, there's there's this stands to be a potential recipe for a little bit of animosity if things continue or if things repeat themselves as they, as the woes continue like they did yesterday. But, you know, in, in my opinion, Hoke, this, this decision yesterday, yesterday was not the reason it, it may have been the straw that broke the camel's back, but yesterday was not the reason it was not the Genesis for today. There has to have been something that Brian Harson has noticed about the way Cornelius was coaching or lack thereof of the receivers and the development of these receivers over the last eight months on campus. And, and look, let's, let's, let's call a spade a spade, guys. Auburn's receivers have not been well coached in a number of years. Cody was not a great coach, in my opinion. And I, I don't, I don't mind saying that I, I was never impressed with Cody Burns as a receivers coach. And it is, it, it, they, they didn't take a step in the right direction as, as one would have hoped and expected. The receivers have struggled up into this point. Now they, they have their own struggles with drops, but at the same time, the quarterbacks have not helped them in certain situations as well. And I think that really bodes to why Harson and, and Bobo and the guys really did musical chairs yesterday to try and find that magical recipe of who goes where. And because you could see it. I mean, there were a lot of kids that got some burn yesterday that it made them showed up on the stat line, but there were a ton of receivers rotating in and out, really, that really that had not gotten a lot of snaps in the first couple of games of the season. But, you know, as – I mean, Hoke as a man – I hate to see anybody lose their job in in that instance, and especially four games into the end of the season. But contractually, Corn's going to get paid. He's not on the soup line anywhere. It's just a it's just it's a tough blow to that particular stat to that particular meeting room and that position. Um, the optics of it just aren't really good, and hopefully, it's something that Harson's out in front of to talk to these kids and really have them understand there is a, there is a bar that is not only set for you as players, but there is a bar that is set for these coaches. And if they don't reach it, we're going to find somebody else to get on the plane. And he proved it yesterday with his benching of Bo Nix and replacement with TJ Finley. And he's obviously proven that point and setting the tone with the coaches as well. But if you don't deliver in the manner that I expect you to, as the head coach of a premier program, we're going to find somebody else that does it. And I, and honestly, I think possibly what aided in him making such an expeditious decision was the fact that he had somebody that could step in 
and bridge that gap so quickly and so effortless. I agree with a lot of what you said. And I tweeted this um, a little bit ago and you just kind of hit on it. This is just one of a few points. One was I said in the span of two days, Brian Harson has benched a three-year starter in Auburn legacy at quarterback and fired his receivers coach four games into the season. I said, say what you want, but he doesn't seem to be indecisive when it comes to making big decisions. Amen. Um, and so, and I'm not, and, and then judging from Harson's personality seems, seems about in line. Cause here, here's what I can tell you about this decision. He doesn't give a crap. What any, what you, me, what any of us think about firing a dude for, I promise you, that's just not, he's just not, that doesn't mean it's right or wrong. We're not, we're not talking about that. I'm just talking about simply, he didn't do this for the fans. He didn't do this. You know, the, the scapegoat thing, you know, and is he a scapegoat? I don't think so because I don't think Harson uh, thinks that way. And I don't think Harson is, is the kind of guy that's worried about fan like perception four games in and I need to fire somebody so that we can kind of make it look like we're getting the offense back on track or maybe he's the re- – like I, I think we'll learn more certainly possible that something behind the scenes could have happened that, that triggered something. It, it could, there could have been a straw that broke the camel's back that, that, that wasn't performance-based. We don't know. But one thing I can tell you um, from listening to, to Brian Harson from August 5th, the day they reported on, you know, for fall camp <clears throat> until now, and I wrote about this on auburnlive.com. I went back and I put quotes that he talked about the receivers. I put quotes on from August 5th, August 9th, after the Akron game and after the Penn State game, just what he had to say about the receivers. And from the get-go, from August 5th, he talked about the receivers as needing to show consistency, needing to show up every day, prepare themselves, understanding their assignment and their alignment and their adjustments. Um, and, and, and just from the beginning, the way he's talked about that position has been one in one in which – He's very detail oriented and he clearly knows what he wants to see from the position. And he also has talked about it in a way that makes me think he's not seeing it. It's not just he here's what I want to see. It's here's what I want to see. And also I'm not seeing it. So I need to start seeing it. And he has been pretty consistent from that point on about what he thinks about the receivers. There've been some moments where he's said good things about their development. In fact, on August 9th, he said Cornelius Williams has done a good job developing a relationship with those guys. Um, and he was talking about just thinking that they had made some progress. So Brian Harson at one point did say some decent things about Cornelius. Um, but I think the Penn state game was a big one. He talked about after that game, the need for big plays and expose explosive big plays. He talked about the need for guys to step up around Bo Nix. When he was asked about Bo Nix in that game, he specifically kind of turned the, turned the gaze towards other players like hey we need other guys to step up and make plays because in that game you had three drops so it, i've watched him and how he's talked about the receivers and it's clear that brian harson has not been thrilled um we just don't know the extent of that he's talked about alignment and assignment and spacing and all the little things to be a good receiver within the offense so i without knowing if there's anything else behind the scenes i have to think that harson just hasn't been thrilled with the development at the position. And I agree with the other thing you said, and I wrote about this as well, and I'm right on, I'm, I'm with you as well. <clears throat> Eric, he saw in his history with Harson, if he's not where he is right now, I also don't think this move is made right now. 
I think he could be very displeased with Cornelius Williams. I think that potentially after the season, Cornelius, you know, could have been let go. But if Eric Keesaw is not sitting in that position right now, this probably doesn't happen right now. That right. definitely made it easier for Harson to pull the trigger right now and go, I, look, I got a guy who's coached the position, knows my offense, probably better than Cornelius. Um, and, and, and I trust him. And Harson's big on trust and everybody doing the right thing. And so it's unfortunate for Cornelius Williams. I, I don't, you know, we are not there. Don't know, don't know the kind of work he's putting in. Don't know how well he knows the all. Like we don't, we don't know. We just see the product on the field and it's not awesome from the receiver position. And Cornelius does, you know, he is responsible for that to some degree. He can't make him catch it. But if you're talking about spacing and alignment and stuff like that, specifically on that's, formations, that, that's that, I don't know that. That's coaching. I mean that's coaching. I mean, it look, yeah. it, it when it's all said and done. It's there, there's, there's multiple sides to the coin, right? When it comes to the execution of a play, when it comes to catching the football, there are certain just God given intangibles to playing each and every position that you as a player just have to do. Right. But when it comes down to splits sets, understanding where you fit in the play spacing, using the sideline as your, as your friend, I mean, all, all stacking all of those technical aspects as a player is, and in this instance, we're talking about receivers, that's coaching, that's repetition, that's just drilling it in their heads and having it become second nature to these kids. Look, I, I know for a fact, Ronnie Daniels, Reggie Worthy, Clifton Robinson, you know, you know Jerry McIntyre. Cedric, I mean, uh, uh, Ced Willis, all these dudes, they didn't love Greg Knox. But Greg Knox was meticulous when it was, when it came down to the details. He was meticulous when he started talking about stacks and he started talking about spacing because ultimately, as, as the receivers understand that, it makes the quarterback's job easier, guys. As the as the receivers understand, if I if I allow my, you know, if I stack the DB once I beat him and I get myself back parallel to the numbers or parallel to the, the sideline, I create more margin for error for my quarterback to miss. And I ultimately, as one of the best athletes on the team, that being a receiver at that position. I ultimately can make an adjustment to what could be an errant throw, but I've right. got so much room to maneuver and manipulate and make that particular play. I just, and, and again, I have not seen corn coach. I have not been in his meeting room. So I am speaking very, very way out of turn. So, so if I'm, if I'm inaccurate, please forgive me, but I'm just going by based on what I saw Cody do based on what I saw Greg Knox do. And it, and it's glaringly obvious that these young men, it's, it has not been just pounded in their head. It's as if, hey, guys, we think we're going to run this. We think we're going to run this. Go out there and make a play, be an athlete, that kind of stuff. Here's the routes. Here's the route tree. Run these routes. Do this. And it's got to be down to the step. It's got to be down to the, the, by the inch to understand how you fit and how the success 
of the entire offense is predicated by you. And unfortunately, these they're they're just not getting it. And that goes, man, that goes to the tight ends, that goes to the quarterback, that goes to the running back, everybody. The 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 best offenses that are that exist know their role. And they also have a very good understanding of how their role impacts the other 10 people and their level of responsibility as well. It's a, it is a, it's, it's like, it's a well-oiled machine, man. If, if, if the receiver doesn't run the route, right. If he doesn't, if he doesn't, you know, get the rub off of a, off of a drive call. If the, if the running back doesn't pick up that blitz again or that linebacker coming in or whatever the scenario is, it doesn't mean crap unless you do your job. If you don't do your job, you will not be successful. And it doesn't matter who's taking snaps. It doesn't matter how good Tank is. It doesn't matter how good Jarquez is. If you're not doing your job and doing what you are coached to do, then you won't be successful. And in this situation, Corn is the guy that's the coach. He's getting paid a ton of money to coach receivers at Auburn University. And at this point, over the last eight months, I just don't think Harson had seen the level of improvement relative to the other positions in their coaching situations that he has, you know, compared to receivers. Because, look, you can make the argument, Hoke, oh, man, the defensive line is not playing good. Put Nick Easton on the chopping block. Oh, the running backs, you know, had some, you know, tank fumbled the ball. It was a key fumble. Put put Cadillac on the chopping block. Well, Mike Bobo caught a bad caught a caught a fourth and two fourth and goal fade against Penn State. Put him on the chopping block. Look, I'm telling you, there the, everybody is replaceable, players and coaches alike. Even Brian Harson is replaceable. <laughs> everybody is replaceable. If if he is not seeing over a span of time you are having a positive impact on these young men on and off the field in order to get them to the point of which the success they want to reach. If you're not doing it, it's the same thing he said about them going to Penn State. If you're not doing it, I got somebody else that will. Don't get on the yeah. plane. There's somebody else that will do it. And I, I know that sounds that sounds super crass and very blunt, but I'm just, you know, if, if you can't if you can't do it, you can't do it. And if they're not responding to you, you got to find somebody else they will respond to. Yeah, I, I think I think just to kind of wrap this up, and we'll talk about um, Georgia State. You know, <clears throat> do I think Cornelius Williams is a good coach? Yes. Do yes. I think Cornelius Williams is a good recruiter? Yeah. I mean, Auburn's got a couple of receiver commits, a good one, um, you know, really good one on Amari Kelly, and and they're the leader for Darius Clemens. We'll see how that impacts that. Um, if at all, maybe not, because that was kind of a Harson connection in the beginning. But but Cornelius for sure was was having an impact. Um, but hope hope you know that that. And again, there and I and obviously you, as you're 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 close with Sammy Coach, right? Sammy Sammy's yeah. been super vocal on Twitter today, and and I get it, man. I do. I get it. It's it optically, it's not a good look for Auburn from a national perspective to fire not, a, fire an assistant coach four games a season. I understand, yeah. and especially him being such a high-profile player and having such a great career, not only at Auburn but in the NFL, and being a receiver, 
I, I understand where he's coming from. I do, but there there's got, I've got to trust and, and understand that there's got to be something that Brian Harson has witnessed firsthand, not like you said, not, not like recruiting violation, but just over time, just oh, no, it's no. like it's, yeah. it's like it's calcified, right? It's oh, yeah. just. Harson, I promise you, Harson's paying attention. He, he there's I mean, there's something there's something there, and he's yeah. and, and you said it you said it just like we were talking about that if if he didn't feel as if there was an opportunity for a smooth transition, I don't think this fire takes place, and uh, dude. The burden, the burden is on Harson. The burden is on Mike Bobo, and the burden is on Kiesel to to sit these young men down and say, "Guys, look, we know this sucks. We know this is not this is not optimal, but we have got to pony up and lay it on the line and deliver for the rest of the season." And and you have a high standard. We have a high standard and a high benchmark. And right now we're not there and we're going to work your tails off until we do. And that's, that's, that's the message they need to hear. And, you know, you got to love, you got to coach them hard, but you got to love them as well. And that that's back to coach dies days, but they, they've got, they've got to get it. And right now, unfortunately, it just doesn't seem as if they have, it just doesn't seem like have gotten it. Yeah. And and you got to think they're watching film, and 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 Harson and Bobo are watching splits and routes, and 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 you know, I have to think, assuming nothing else crazy happened, assuming Cornelius didn't didn't you know there was something off the field that that you know there was a kind of some kind of snap or anything like that, they're watching film and thinking it's not quite the right alignment, it's not really a crisp route, it's not exactly where we need that guy to, to make that cut, that's not exactly where we need that guy to sit down. Um, and that's the stuff that that Harson is an absolute stickler for, and he's gonna and he's gonna see that stuff. And so I'm with you. I I don't think this is a panicky decision. Um, I don't think Harson would make it four games. He's four games in. What what's he? I mean, he's got. I mean, every first year coach, you've you've got a little bit. You've got a leash. I mean, unless Auburn just fell off the wagon, you, you know, he doesn't have to do that four games in. They haven't even played a conference game. There's not. Yeah. Parsons not that way. He's not a panicky decision guy. I promise you. I promise you, he's not. He doesn't owe you, me, anybody, anything. If you listen and w- listen to him talk, man, he doesn't owe you a thing. He's going to make whatever decision he thinks is best. And so, what will that result? What will that result in? I don't know yet. Well, let's watch the receivers. Let's see if they get better. Maybe it wasn't Cornelius. Maybe whatever. But you, you've got it. I'm going to trust him for now. I'm going to trust him as. Here's the only knock I would have on Harson. You you hired him. Now I I could say. And I know Cornelius Williams was not choice one. Okay. He was not Brian Harson's first choice. He's probably his fourth choice or something. And at that point, he had some in state connections, uh, pretty good, rec- probably young recruiter, been around the state, not a bad first hire. Um, but I think that plays into it as well. He's thinking, okay, look, I, I, didn't, I didn't land who I want. Okay. This guy's got some potential. Let's give him a shot. I'm going to bring Eric Keesaw over. So I've got a guy that knows my stuff to connect with him. And let's see what he can do. He can recruit. He, he yep. can he can build. You know, learn the offense and all that. And then when it didn't happen, he he you know if that would have been choice number one, you know it's not so. I, so I sort of fault him in hiring him, and I sort of don't. On one hand, you got to hire somebody. Um, 
but I think he's we got to blame we got to put some blame somewhere on Harson. You and that's probably you made the hire. If he's not your guy four games in, that's not a great look. And and you hired him, and so you got to make better decisions if you're going to hire a guy and fire him four games in. That's that's the one knock is that's that's not great. I mean that's yeah. not, that means almost day one. And if you fire him now, it's kind of like what you said. It's not just one thing. If you fire him four games in, that means almost from day one you you were not sure. Like you did it, but you're going to be watching real closely to, to this quickly pull the plug is it, like, I, you know, you know what I'm saying? It, it's, it's exactly, it, you're exactly right. It, it, and, and it's one of those things. It's like your, it's like your grandfather used to say, Hey man, you made your bed. You got to lay in it. Right. Yeah. And, and in this instance, it's, it's, it's spot on. I mean, I, I don't think that corn was Harson's number one choice for receiver coach, just like you had said. And, you know, there he, they went through a pretty extensive, you know, interview process with Cornelius. And it may have been a situation where Harson was on the fence and Corn just kind of convinced him to hire it. And there, there's just – got a good recommendation and, and, yeah. and, you and know, so, right? Fine, cool. Let's, let's try it out. It just – man, it it it, uh, it sucks. It, it does. It's, it doesn't look great. But, you know – let let's say let's say one of these two receivers, Canyon or Capers, or even you know uh, Robinson or somebody, just emerges after this happens. Coincidentally, it'll be looked at as the greatest transaction of employment you would ever consider. So, I, at the end of the day, as bad as it looks, as 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 frustrating as as you may be as as a fan or a former player or whatever the situation is, Auburn Auburn needs to place their trust in the man that's running the program and let him be. Yeah. Give him give him autonomy. You know, don't don't question it. Just roll with it. And and ultimately, if it doesn't work out, everybody. He is going to be held accountable for it. Oh yeah, and he put himself out there even more. And that, that's that. it. Yeah. That's that's it. He is he has put himself alone on Front Street, and I think that's really why he doesn't ask for forgiveness. I think that's he's in that he he is in that me versus the world mentality from the standpoint of you know kind of that two men enter one man leave scenario, and I respect the heck out of it. I mean, he's made comments where people were asking about how did you think Bo felt after yesterday? And, I, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. You know, the way that he handled that, the way that he is so frank about the decisions that he makes, I I respect him, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, he the dude the dude does not have he does not have a rear view. He makes it and goes with it, good or bad, he owns it. And yeah. I ultimately think it's going to, it's going to pay dividends. I think so. I like his approach. And the, the one last thing I'll say about Cornelius is just one more thought is that, you know, the other, the other thought is he could have had his doubts about what was happening at receiver, but maybe he wasn't going to make his move. And then maybe with how, what happened yesterday and, and, and making a quarterback change and thought, well, might as well pull the bandaid off. All right, I made a quarterback change. So we're dealing with that. Might as well rip this one off. And, and, and not have like, okay, we go through a quarterback change or we go through now that that's out there, we do that. Then now in two weeks, now, now receivers don't get better. Then I got to deal with something. I might as well just deal with it all now. 
Let's quarterbacks well, picking a battle. Yeah. Coach, new in. Y'all got to get it figured out. We're going to get it figured out right now, this week, at the same time. Flip the page um, and, it, and do it that and way. And it's even – and, Hoke, it's even even that much more monumental. When – I mean, I look, I know TJ's played a heck of he, – he's played a lot of football from the standpoint of his days at LSU and just growing up and, and period. But he's still essentially new to this position. He's only a sophomore. Yes. And – so it's even more monumental for your guys as in your receivers to be where they're supposed to be when they are supposed to be there. You go back and look, I, I guarantee you there was an error made on the two-point conversion because there were two receivers in the same place on that two-point conversion. There was a there Somebody did something wrong. I don't know who it was, but football 101 – is you don't have two guys wearing the same jersey standing within two yards of each other. And that's that's it's even even that much more important for your for your receivers to stay in check with the system, especially when you have the likelihood of a quarterback that is is possibly going to be making his most highly touted start of his career next weekend or this coming weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, well, look, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I don't, you know, I think that, uh, you know, Harson made a decision and he's going to have to live with it. I don't think it's a panicky decision. And so having said that, um, I, I, you know, I hate it for Cornelius Williams because I like him and, and, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a fellow Hoover guy like myself. He was a couple of years behind me. And so, um, Hey, he'll land on his feet. He's a good coach, um, and and we'll see what happens. Um, all right, so that so we we thought. Think about if Auburn had lost this game. By the way, we we thought that would have been the biggest thing we would talk. And it probably it still would have been if they lost. That would have been bigger than the firing a receivers coach four games in. Um, but what a weekend! All right, this Georgia State game. I mean, Auburn is you know twenty four nineteen, and they they pull it out in the end. Um, I have no idea what happened in the first half. I mean, there's, there's literally, I, I tweeted this as a joke. And then I went back and I said, I retweeted it. And I was like, no, seriously. I mean, did they? And my comment was, did they just not watch film on Georgia state? Did they just spend all week fixing mistakes from the previous week and spend no time watching Georgia state? Cause that's what it <laughs> looked like on both sides of the ball. It looked like they literally did not watch film. And they were like, wait, what's the, we don't even know how to play this play. For a guy to have 142 yards rushing in the first half and like none in the second half, that that's, you know, they talked about. It and they said Mason didn't make any changes. It's just effort and execution. Um, well, and, so and I don't know. I don't that, know what to make of the first half and second half. What were your thoughts? What when you've had a chance to digest? I, I will say this, and it is it is out of the ultimate respect for this player, Zacoby <laughs> McLean. It, he's a difference maker, man. And but not I, I, that much, right? Like well, you, but, people but keep hope, saying that, but I'm like, but hope, you I mean, listen, man. You you got it. You you got to you got to bring it all into perspective from the standpoint of telling people where to be and making sure Agreed, that yeah. they are in the right position. There were instances in the first half in which you you didn't have your two most seasoned football players on the field, that being Owen and Jacoby, 
and it was clear they were busted coverages. There was misalignments. There were a lot of things that I, in my opinion, should have been should have been nipped in the bud in pre-snap alignment. Now, I will agree with you from the standpoint that when it comes down to the ball being snapped and make just flat out making a tackle, that is that's that's execute execution and more even more effort than anything. But yeah. I I do think that that when Jacoby came in the game in the second half, he 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 lit a fire under their ass, and that was a situ- that was one of those deals that he he is such an integral part of that defensive unit that he makes everybody else around him better, and because he it does. was it was glaringly obvious that they lacked preparation, they lacked effort, they lacked focus. They lacked you. You let we can we can go through the list. The first half wasn't an, an was an embarrassment. I mean, yeah. an embarrassment. You basically have a reincarnation of Heath Evans for Georgia State running rampant Former all Walker over Bond. Auburn's defense. And in the second half, man, it was just you know and and. And the good the, the thing that you can draw from, and I and I said this at the game, guys, we weren't talking about we weren't talking about big, like huge 75-yard pass plays and just just absolute freakish touchdown passes and all this kind. They were they were having 13, 15, 16 play drives. They were converting third downs. Like it was, I mean, it looked like Alabama's offense. And Auburn could do nothing. I mean, nothing to stop them. And and it could it was it was it adjustments made by smoke because they were killing them on on the quarterback draw on third and medium and third and long. And once they finally realized to bring smoke down just a little bit further into the line of scrimmage or toward the line of scrimmage to spy on that quarterback a little more, they they they. They, they nullified that particular play for them in the th- late in the third and the fourth quarter. It, it just – it was it was tough to watch, man. I mean, it was it was just one of those things that you – defensively, Auburn couldn't do anything right in the first half yeah. and continue to shoot themselves in the foot. And, man, it just it just compounded itself on the offensive side of the ball because they were, they were absolutely no better. Oh, gosh. And the reason I said that about film is because the play that that Tucker – or what was his name? Tucker, Greg, Greg Tucker, I don't know. Um, I should know because he looked like Fred Talley. Um, the reason that I thought they didn't watch film was they ran the same it, – it, it reminded me of – for anybody that watched Auburn football in the 2000s, it reminded me of a play Tennessee ran in 2004 in the SEC title game when um, – um, what is their running back's name that back then? Dad Gummit. Um, I forgot. But anyway, they gashed that Auburn defense on the same play like twice. And it's a running yeah. play where there's there's motion and the defensive end doesn't know what to do. And and it literally just, I mean, it looked very like a very similar play. And when you watched Auburn defend it, Derek Hall's sitting out there in no man's land because there's a guy in motion and he thinks, do, do I need to make sure that guy doesn't get outside of me? And then the linebackers just get lost. And there's nobody there. There's nobody there. Yeah. 
And the, and the safety, not only have a defensive end, you also had a safety that follows the guy over. So they looked like they had they'd never seen the play before. They had no idea how to defend it. Um, and I, I so agree George, with you, man. I, it, it was – and this probably wasn't the case, but it, it looked as if they never even turned the film on for Georgia State. <laughs> I'm telling and you, man. I, and, I, and I'm certain that wasn't the case. But there's a lot to be said for the fact that it was Georgia State and they've got their first SEC game next week at LSU. So – it, uh, man, I hope and I pray that this was one of those lookover games because they they've got a lot. It, the staff and the players have a lot of coaching and learning to do over the next handful of days to get ready for this game in Death Valley. Um, by the way, Gerald Riggs Jr. is the running back I'm thinking of for Tennessee. They also had that team. That Tennessee team is good. They had Cedric Houston as well, who yep. was awesome. But Gerald Riggs is the one that broke those long touchdown runs off. Um, so Auburn's defense looks horrendous in the first half. They gave up 300 yards. They gave up 219 yards rushing in the first half. They have 142 yards on six carries to a former walk-on, uh, and they gave up 24 points. Second half, zero points, 85 total yards, two yards of carry rushing, six straight punts out of halftime, and then get a pick six. Uh, it, I mean – the polar opposite doesn't even do a good job of describing that. So as terrible as Auburn's defense was in the first half, they figured it out in the second half. Zacoby McLean definitely plays a part in that. He had four tackles in the second half and yeah, aligning the defense properly. And Wesley Steiner looked lost a little bit. And um, I think, I think Zacoby helped. I also think the defense just as a group got it together and all that came together. Here's the, here's the problem. Here's the bigger problem. The offense scored one offensive touchdown in that football game. People need to realize that. 34 to 24, they scored one offensive touchdown with a minute left in the game. They had four field goals, and the special teams scored a touchdown, and that's it. Not only that, the, while we talk about the defense getting better, the offense had 230 yards in the first half. They had 189 in the second half. They rushed for, I think, about three and a half yards of carry in the second half as opposed to about five and a half in the first half. So the offense – Got worse by the numbers. Well, hey, hey, if, if you really want to get down into it also, that 189 yards included a 98-yard drive oh. to win the game. Yeah. So, so under 100 yards of offense. You're, 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 essentially, you're essentially talking, I mean, because they, they got the ball on the on that last possession. They got the ball with roughly, what, two and a half minutes to go? Three minutes I, to go, maybe? I thought it was about 330, 340, something like that, I thought. So, all right, so let's say there's 330 to go. You, you within within 27 minutes of playing time in that second half, you had only accounted or accumulated less than 100 yards of total offense prior yeah. to that 98 yard scoring drive. That's that. If you you know people, people can question the decision. People can you know. And, and, and go back and, and have some and had a hindsight about what it was, but just the productivity wasn't there. And, and look, I'll be the first to tell you, Hope, because I, I mean, I've had it happen. I've been benched and it sucks, man. I mean, I, I hate it for both. I really, really do. And they had done everything they could from a personnel perspective to try and shake them, shake some things up get some momentum, whether it be in the running game or, the, or, excuse me, in the running back position or the receiver position. And that was the, the last decision, their last personnel change to be made was the quarterback. 
And yeah, yeah. You know, thankfully, thank, yeah. thankfully for Auburn, TJ came in and, and executed when he had to. But you know, you're you're super excited for him, and and obviously relieved that Auburn won the game selfishly. But man, I just I, I do. Everybody has a bad day, and and yesterday, Bo Bo just had a bad day, and yeah, it was he. It was just like nothing could go right. Go right. He was he was errant on throws. He was high on a lot of balls. You know they were run looked as if they were running curls and he was throwing outs. I mean it just nothing was in sync. And man, I, I've had more times than not. I've had more of those kind of days than I care to realize. And I'm sure Auburn fans can remember, but. It's it's a tough hole to climb your way out of, and it's a tough position to be in. Being told on the sidelines, "Hey, sit this one out. We're we're yeah. putting the other kid in." That's it's really difficult, man. It's really difficult to as a as a as a starter to be told that, and to be as competitive as as those kids are. I mean, hey, Carson, you know he he got asked the, the million dollar question. Well, how do you think Bo feels about that? Well, of course. And I liked his answer. Of course, I'm sure he's pissed. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. if, if he wasn't, I wouldn't want him being our quarterback. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're a competitor, you don't like being sat down. But it's just, man, the second half, I mean, obviously the entire game offensively was was difficult to watch. And, you know, they'll pull some goods. They'll pull some bads. They'll coach and and, and do their thing, I think what they've got to focus on is that 98 yard drive that they took down the field to win the game. And yeah. there were, there were balls there. I hope that Finley missed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, he missed some, he missed some, uh, some open passes in that yeah. game before that drive. So, I mean, he had some plays that he missed as well. He, he won. He, look, listen, he won the game. They, they Auburn won Auburn keyword Auburn won the game. That is the most important thing to take away from it. There's, the, the bad the the drama surrounding you know benching Bo and replacing him with TJ you, you've got to be ecstatic and excited for TJ for what he's been through and, and stay in the course and maintaining focus you could tell he was comfortable he was moving guys around he, he, so he had been in the playbook and he understands what he's doing yeah on the flip side of it you do you, you've got you've got to sympathize for Bo going what he's going through because yeah it's hard for anybody to deal with, man. And I, I can tell, cause look, for in, 19, him, in, 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 in 1998, I sucked, man. I mean, I got benched <laughs> for, I got benched for Gabe Gross and that's the, athletically, that's the hardest thing I've ever had to go through. But mark my, mark my words. This is a pivotal time for Bo to grow up. This is a pivotal time for Bo to stay in the playbook to to earn some some additional respect from his teammates and continue to work, be supportive of TJ, but also be waiting in the wings. Whether or not he starts on Saturday, whatever the situation may be, he is going to have another opportunity to be the man. And whether or not he takes advantage of it is 100% solely reliant on how well he, he takes this in stride. Because yeah. it's gonna it's gonna happen. He has an opportunity to either win the job back or lose it from here on out. 
And it's all, it's up to him hundred percent. Yeah. Harson talked about him being pissed after the game. Um, you know, and him and, and, and Finley both also talked about him being a good teammate. TJ Finley actually called Bo an amazing teammate. Uh, and said that they, they talk, somebody asked, you know, when Bo got benched, did they talk on the sideline? And, and TJ goes, we, we talk, we talk all the time. We talk after every series. Um, so that was nothing new that they, they're, they're constantly talking. And I agree. It's not the last time you're going to see Bo Nix. I can't imagine that's the, that's the case. Um, and so, yeah, I think the offense is a problem. The offensive line had a wake up call. I mean, I saw some, some stories this week about Auburn's running game being so dominant. And I was like, Hey, it's just wait a minute. Let's just hold, let's just wait and see. Uh, and that didn't happen. Georgia state uh, keyed on tank when he was in the game. It was, it was, you know, they were, they were aggressive upfield. They were all, they were all over it. Um, I think Tate needs to be a tad more patient. I think sometimes he, he, he hits the whole hundred miles an hour. Um, but uh, offensive line got a wake up call. They go up nine pressures, a couple of sacks. Um, you know, Bo, Bo was pressured, you know, Finley got sacked. So, uh, offensive line is, is they took a step backwards as, you know, I don't, I don't know that there was a unit other than, other than special teams, you know, looked good again. Obviously Anders kicks four field goals. Just, it just wasn't a, uh, a good day. I wanted to mention something else. Harson said on the quarterback, on the quarterback, um, battle i call it battle i don't really call it controversy um because i don't know what that means um i think it's a quarterback battle because i don't think it's ever not been a quarterback battle um well, i it, think the way i look i i know everybody loved joey gatewood joey gatewood's not an sec starter no 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 this He's is on this is the, this yeah. is the first this is the first time in bo's career at auburn that he has had someone that that is pushing him like legitimately pushing him because TJ yeah. is a TJ is a talented young man, not only physically, he's, he's mentally there. And I think, I think he, he and Bo with the majority of schools in the sec, they could be starters at any school. They, you know, any school they chose. So it, it is a, it is a battle. I mean, it, it's, it should be. I mean, that's the level of competition that I think Brian Harson wants to get to. That's I why he brought Finley in. Why he brought TJ Finley in. He said, I got to have somebody to push Bo, and we got to have, I got to have another option, and I got to see what this kid's made of. And vice versa. And, and the unfortunate circumstance about this position, there can only be one of them on the field at a time. And it's a, that's why you, that's why Bobo, has the experience he has. That's why Carson gets paid the big bucks to make the decision about who puts Auburn in the best position to be successful. And, you know, yesterday was, yesterday was not Bo's day. And you've got to, you've got to deal with it and move on. It happens. We have all had bad days. It does not make Bo any less of a quarterback. He's won a lot of games at Auburn. He will win a lot more, but, in this instance, I think the confidence that people can have, the comfort that folks can have, is to know that there is a very viable number one and number two option here at Auburn wearing orange and blue. Yeah. Um, there were two things that stood out. One was Harson said um, Harson said he was asked, which I was I was la- almost laughing when the quarter, when the question was being asked because I knew what direction this was going. He was asked what the timetable was for naming naming a quarterback starter this week. 
<laughs> and I was like, that's cool. Let's this this is fun. Let's see how this goes. Saturday and, at four um, o'clock. Huh? It'll be named yeah. Saturday at four. Yeah. And uh Harson he he kind of smirked like I mean he almost was like, Are you kidding me? But his answer was great. He was like, He's like, I don't have a game plan for that. He goes, That's not how we that's not how he goes, that's not how it works. He goes, and even if I did, I don't have to tell you. And uh and then he and then he goes on to basically just say, Look, look, and here's what he said that I thought was was interesting because you don't hear it a lot. You don't really hear it. You don't because it's almost like you have a quarterback and then you have everybody else, right? Like isn't it, isn't it funny how a quarterback controversy is so like, oh, you're going to replace the start. But if if the next game there's a different starter at edge, you'd be like, oh, there's a new starter at edge, right? And he made a great comment. He goes, he goes, he goes, he goes. The quarterbacks on the team like everybody else. He goes, yeah. they got to prepare like everybody else. He goes, that's what your job is. Your job is you can only control what you can control. Because your job's to prepare, and then I'll name the starter. Yeah. Prepare this week. Hey, hey, prepare you, to be the starter. You're no you different want, than a corner or or anybody else. You want to be the starter? I love when he said, "You want to be the starter? Play better." <laughs> yeah, that's it. And 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 listen, that is you're right. That position is, is such a coddled decision. Yeah, it, it's such a it, it's confidence. Such a, you don't want to, you don't want to mess their confidence up. You don't want to you know you you you, you want to treat them with kid gloves and yeah, I think sometimes and, like and that and look that's and there's there's some truth to that but I mean you you can you can pamper it too much yeah. and and I I like Harson's responses to the questions that from the standpoint of, look man they want to start play better yeah. the same rule the same rule applies to the guy taking snaps just as it does to my left tackle yeah, or just exactly. as it does, just as it does to my to my strong side linebacker. You yeah. want to play, play better than the guy in front of you or behind yeah. you. That'll secure your position. I don't, I don't care what name is on the back of your jersey. If you if you help me win games for Auburn, you're going to play. Yeah, and which is and why I think, by the way, which is why I think that this quarterback. Battle, quarterback battle is a battle, and I just don't like controversy. I just I don't think we're I don't think we uh, we're done with this by a long shot. I no. think TJ Finley. I think TJ Finley probably deserves the start Saturday. I think it would probably not be great if he came in, played well, played under pressure, won the football game, players loved it, and then you start Bo Nix. I'm not saying Bo Nix doesn't have the respect of his teammates too. I think he does. I think he's come a long way there. But I'm not sure it's a great thing to turn around and in the next week put Bo back in as the starter. I I, I think you run the risk of players going, hold up. So yeah. I think I think you I think you say Finley. Now that's assuming Finley has a good week. If Finley just has a trash week of practice and Bo looks great again, and you go, well, hold on, okay, what? Well, maybe there's a decision, and maybe and, and all the players saw it. Then you know, then you can make that call. But I think. I think Finley's earned the shot at playing in this, which is just unbelievable. As soon as Finley got in there, I was like, you got to be kidding me. The week before LSU, he's going to be, he's going to go with a Baton Rouge as the starter. That's an unbelievable storyline. But I just, I don't, the way Harson approaches it, I don't think, I think it's going to be week to week. From now on, I think it's open. You have two guys who are capable, and I think it's going to be who prepares, who watches film, who's sharper in practice, and that dude's the starter. And, and, yeah. and guess what? Bo Nix might play against LSU. And, like I just, I mean, he'll he'll go with a guy, but by no means is this thing over. Or does Bo Nix not have a shot? I mean, Bo could turn it on and have some great weeks of practice and take the job back over. I just really think it's, I think it is now a battle, just like, just like a cornerback battle would be. They, 
every position is replaceable. Every every single one of them. And he said that from day one, is that nobody is – no one player is solidified and, and safe from lack of performance. And in this situation, I, I agree with you. I think that, it, you know, the, the difficulty – and he, he won't acknowledge this, but the difficulty that Brian Harson and even Mike Bobo face is the – the 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 exterior or the outside of execution from the standpoint if you if you don't start TJ Finley what type of message does that send to the locker room and yeah you know uh, yeah it, that's what I'm saying yeah so and, and I don't envy their position and and there's whatever decision they make I'll I will vehemently support it because they know much more about the situation than, than we do. But I think it's just, it's one of those where TJ Finley has earned the right to start. That nine. And Harson made a point to say that, which I which I think is important to mention. Yes. This that, isn't that, a thing about Nick's played bad, so I went to the other guy. Harson made it a point to give Finley credit and say, "Hey, hey, just so you know, TJ has worked hard. He's done yeah. his job. He's done what we've asked him to do. He he earned that just as much as we needed a spark. But but he he earned it. I didn't just give it to him because he's the only other guy we had to put in at quarterback." He earned that opportunity. And and I think he is from from an outsider's perspective, from a from a fan's perspective, I think he's earned the right to start Saturday in Baton Rouge. Now there's a lot to be said for the remainder of the week in practice. And like you know, if in fact he does or does not perform well, but I, you know, you you maintain some continuity, you maintain a little bit of that excitedness relevant to the locker room and the players and, and whatnot. You put a little bit more pressure on Bo to see how he's going to react and respond and see what these kids are made of. And, but, I, you know, it, it would not surprise me that TJ potentially will have a little bit shorter leash than Bo Nix has had in the past. That if things start going downhill fairly quickly from a, from a lack of production standpoint, Bo Nix will be a quick answer or a quick replacement in this instance before they let the game get too far out of hand to try and, and bring a spark back into it. Or it wouldn't yeah. surprise me one bit if they don't figure out some way to play both of them. And there's, there's no coach in the country that's going to, on Sunday or on Monday, tell his first SEC opponent of the season – Who's my starting quarterback going to be? That, that's that's an entire week's worth of uncertainty that LSU's defensive staff and players they don't know who to really prepare for because each quarterback has a unique set of skills that you've got to pay attention to. So it's a it's a chess match from the standpoint of what Harson's doing and how he's trying to execute it. Yeah, well they all they got some built-in knowledge on TJ Finley. That's for sure. I mean, yeah. they're going to know. Um, they're gonna know what what rattles him, if anything. It's funny. I mean, we'll 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 see how Finley plays out. It, it's I still can't get over the fact that like Auburn's best game last year was against him. I mean, they just crushed LSU last year, and um, and so I'm trying to ignore that game when I think about can TJ Finley be the guy? And I'm, and I'm but then I'm reminded like wait a minute, that's the that's the one team, the one guy that Auburn just destroyed last year. Um, but that was 
Auburn just had a, a fantastic game. What are well, they had? Other cons- a, they had a they had a great game. That was, if I'm not mistaken, if if that wasn't his first college start, that may have been his second. Yeah, and his first one was really good against South Carolina. Well, and and two man, the kid had, I mean, he had not gone through spring practice. He because I think he was an early enrollee at LSU. Yeah, he had not gone. He had not gone through spring practice because of Super COVID. Raw. He had not had any. Had not had the luxury as a true freshman to go through any type of like legitimate preseason camp. He is a totally different quarterback at this point than he was the last last year when Auburn faced him. I I, I, I truly am confident in that from the standpoint of just maturity and and execution and even have. Having eight months under Mike Bobo, I think, is a is a huge feather in his cap to be prepared for this situation. And look, he he may be the kind of kid that performs at his best under this type of microscope. And hey, if he can do it, man, I'll 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 be happy to be the to to not hold. I'm, I'd love for the fact that they would win this ball game in LSU Saturday. And I'm no longer the last quarterback to win that game down there. Look, doesn't it just make sense that an LSU transfer would be would come in and start and then start and be the guy that leads Auburn to their first win in Baton Rouge in 20 something years? Like I just feel like that that makes sense. Um, but I don't know. So all right, let's end on this. What are your biggest concerns going into LSU? We talked about the offensive line. That was not a great performance. Uh, Demetrius Robertson didn't play, a little banged up, not sure what's going on there. Javaris Johnson gets back into the mix. Um, I mean, you know, there was – Owen Papo should be fine. Probably, probably could have gone, but I, I think that they didn't want to do it. He should be fine to play against LSU. Health-wise, Tank was a little banged up going into that game, Georgia State. Health-wise, I think they're in a decent position across the board. Um what are you most concerned with? LSU can throw the football a little bit. I like Max Johnson. Butte is a fantastic receiver. That Auburn secondary and the ability to rush the passer that that, that better be fixed because yeah. LSU it's not Burrow, but but they're good enough to put up 300 passing yards if Auburn does that same crap again. What are you well, concerned about? What what the, are we looking the, at? The, 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 I'm more concerned with specific players as how it and how it relates to Auburn's strengths. When you when you look at Auburn offensively. And obviously, you know, Stingley, Derek Stingley is is the best cover corner in college football. He did not play against Mississippi State, right? So he, Maybe there's out. a lot there's a lot of uncertainty whether or not he'll play. If Ooh. in fact he is there, that you know, what little production Auburn has had from the receiver position, that gives even that much more focus that LSU can put on the running game. And, and load the box with eight, nine guys, lock down the receivers with some of the most talented defensive backs that you're going to face in the SEC, what's going to happen? And how much pressure does that put on Auburn's passing game to be able to alleviate some opportunity for Tank and Jarquez and, and Sean? On the defensive side of the ball, you've said it best, I'm not overly concerned with LSU's ability to run the football, win the game running the football. Boutte is a very, very good receiver, just in, in the long line of receivers that have been that have played at LSU over the last decade or two. But Max Johnson is he he's he's a sleeper, man. 
Yeah. He is yeah. he is extremely accurate. He's very deceptive. He doesn't have a super strong arm, but he is unbelievably accurate and decisive with the football. So they're going to do some things offensively, I think, that puts Boutte in a situation in the slot or maybe in one-on-one coverage with someone like Smoke Monday who has, who has visibly struggled in past, in past coverage up to this point in the season and really try and, and put them on an island for some success in the passing game. I, what type of strategy does Derek Mason dial up? I guarantee you it's not going to be a three-man rush. They're going to come in and they're going to do some things in the in defensively up front, really, really put pressure and stymie the running game and make Max Johnson beat them through the air, which I'm, I, would, I would put money on the fact that he's capable of doing so. And then obviously the, the, most, the most certain concern I have is the fact that they're playing at 8 o'clock in Death Valley. I mean, it is – it is the most they better get their vaccines. They it better get their the, vaccines or their negative tests. I know it. It is the most volatile place to play in college football, especially at night. And so how do they react? How do they respond? Bad things are going to happen. Do they dig themselves out of a hole or do they just keep on going deeper? I'm not worried about, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I'm not worried about the environment only because they just played at Penn state, which is very, very rarely. Do you get a chance to play at a place more rowdy or more rowdy as rowdy or, or loud or, or, you know, pomp and circumstance before you play at LSU in a season. But I think they did that. Like, I don't, so, I, and, and like I said, that stadium against uh, their, their last home game, they recorded 90,000, but people there said it was more like mid 80 because you have to either be vaccinated or you have to have had a negative test. Um, and so that has that has that has hurt him a little bit. So I'm curious if it's a, if they end up with 95 or they end up with 85. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm with you. I think Zach Johnson's certainly capable, and Auburn's gonna have to figure out some way to run the football. I mean, it's like Harson says, like we, this can't be figured out on Saturday. He said it again. He's like, you can't figure this out on Saturday. This has to be done in practice. If it's Saturday, it's too late. It's not. You can't do it. So they've got to figure out how to run the ball again consistently, and who's the quarterback. And who can they rely on at receiver? That's going to happen uh, in like the next two days. Um, and we'll see. There's players, look, we've been harping on. I'm like, where's Elijah Canyon? Xavier Capers? Like, who did they kill to not get a chance? And you see in that game, there's Canyon with an unbelievable catch on the sideline. And, and uh, Auburn, there are guys there that have potential to make plays. Um, I want to see them get a chance, man. I don't care what they do in practice. I want to see – Elijah Canyon get an opportunity. It's a big target. Javaris Johnson, hopefully he's healthy and can get back out there. Um, I think Finley could be stepping into a decent situation where he's got a healthy group of, of, of wideouts. We'll see about Robertson, but it's a tough ass. All I know is that I hate to say must win, but whew, you don't win that it, one. It is. And you've Hocus, got it's, four straight it's, ranked opponents. And it's, I don't a must, know. it's a must win, man. I mean, they, I so. they, if you don't, you're looking at – I mean, you'd have to up so, – you're, you're, they're underdog here. They're underdog in their next – they'll be an underdog. Georgia, Arkansas, Ole Miss, and well, A&M. Yeah, so they're, they're going to be the underdog in the next five straight conference games to start, well, to start playing. And, and I'll tell you that the, it, there's, a, there's a visible lack of confidence in LSU right now from, you know, the, the, the prognosticators and that they're only a three-and-a-half-point favorite at night in Death Valley. 
Yeah. So, you know, there, there's some questions surrounding LSU at this point. And if it can either, it's going to be the tale of the, the tale of two teams. If Auburn finds a way and, and however they do it, finds a way to win it, it can really propel them from a momentum oh. standpoint on into the season. If in, if in fact they lose Saturday in Death Valley, there is a possibility of a lengthy skid for the next four to five games, and it's not going to be fun. Yeah, that worries me a little bit. Not because, I mean, we'll just have to see how every game plays out, but I just, you know, fans aren't really good at keeping things in perspective. No. And um, and so if Auburn's like starts one and four in the league, um, could I, I mean, depending on how the games go, like, I don't know that I could completely, I mean, it's, it would suck, but, you know, we'll just have to, Arkansas looks, is a tough team. Ole Miss, Ole Miss is so good on offense that you, you better, you better have an offense that can match and Auburn doesn't. So that just, that becomes such a hard task, even if you play pretty well, because they're going to score. So we'll see, man. A lot of pressure on Harson uh, this week. He's going to speak to the media on Monday. Let's see what he says um, about um, about the the Cornelius Williams news. I kind of haven't imagined how it's going to go. Um, he's going to give kind of a broad, vague speech about um the you know what what Auburn needs in the program and we appreciate his work and we just felt like this is what we needed to create consistency and um and and then that kind of stuff um and so he's gonna filibuster which is what he does so well um he does that so well and so we'll see what else is said I will say I was thinking about this just one more comment on Cornelius here's the other negative Cornelius like I said played in the state coached in the state um we'll see how high school coaches in the state react no, they word travels. And so maybe it'll be a thing where they just go, Hey, look, he wasn't putting in the hour, you know, who, who knows, but not a, not a good look optics wise for a guy that's been in the state a lot. Um, four games in, you're going to have to explain that to high school coaches when you go somewhere to, uh, you know, like if they didn't already have Amari Kelly committed and yeah. they're traveling up there, you, you, that's when you're now going to have to explain a little bit to some of these high school coaches, like, hold on, this kid played in Alabama coach at Troy and you fired him four games in the dude from Boise fires him four games in. So that's the only negative I can really see is you, that's going to – there's some coaches that are going to go, that, that's bull. That's bull crap. Um, and, and so you're going to have to figure out how to navigate that. won't, won't be a long-lasting thing, but for, for the time being, it might be something you're going to have to navigate. Um, well, I'm sure nothing will happen next weekend. Um, that'll be – I'm sure I – mean, somebody asked me earlier, they joked, they were like, the reaction to the Cornelius Williams news is like, oh my gosh, I'm like, guys, wait, it's Auburn. It's fine. It's normal. It's Sunday. It's, everything's fine. Okay. You, you gotta, you gotta be in the program to, to understand like, yeah, firing a coach. Like it's, it's just Sunday guys. It's not a big deal. We're used to this madness in Auburn, it man. Crazy it, things it, happen. It, it is what it is. I mean, it, ultimately you get, this is really cliche. You just got to trust them. There's, they they know they know more about the situation than we do, and trust the fact that they're looking out for the best interest of the kids and looking out for the best interest of Auburn and trying to win ball games. And I'm, you know, I trust the guys that are making those decisions, whether it's Brian Harson, whether it's Mike Bobo, whether it's Alan Green, whomever is making those decisions. I trust them with what they're doing because I know ultimately they're going to be accountable for it. And yeah, we'll see what happens. 
All right, man. Well, I appreciate you joining us. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Make sure you're on auburnlive.com. We have full coverage of the Cornelius Williams news. As again, we, we broke that. So, I mean, we, we got the story on Cornelius, kind of go into to what um, went into that decision. Uh, and then we have a write-up on Eric Keesaw, who's, who's now the new receivers coach as well. Um, and so everybody go to auburnlive.com and check that out. Um, and we'll be back next Monday morning with Ben for the morning back, Monday morning quarterback edition after LSU. And hopefully we're talking about Auburn's first win since 1999. Uh, if not, what's it matter at this point? I don't know. I mean, what's another two years? Um, it's just, you know, but it sure would be nice to get it done at some point. Thanks, dude. Appreciate you joining us, man. Happy to be here, Hope. War Eagle. Y'all have a good week. All right. Thanks, everybody. See ya. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.